morning.
Sometimes it causes us fear and even worry, the fear of the unknown. What we think is to come, what might happen or not happen. So yes, even as Christians, we struggle with the myriad of thoughts that overwhelm our minds from time to time. But I want, I want to take an opportunity to switch gears to the past. We know what's before us. We've got all these things going on in our heads. We've got things going on in our lives. We've got many months ahead. We don't know what's going to happen. But let's shift gears and think about our past, past years. Often episodes from our past become that self-made anchor and chain which often serve the way our minds down. We slow or, it can slow or stop our forward progress, hinder our thinking, confuse our purpose, and even hinder our Christian growth. Dwelling in the past can be a sure detriment to where God would have us be for 2024. However, as we'll discover today, I hope, neither the new year we are in, already a week into it, nor the past year need not be feared or regretted. Even Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? Dickens' masterful story of Christmas Carol, one of my favorites, was able to benefit from the circumstances of his past and how they potentially altered his future. The key to his transformation, of course, was a changed, penitent heart. That's the key. It wasn't how great the story was. It wasn't because he saw all the things in his past, but because there was a change in his heart. There's great value as we learn from our past behaviors. Those missed opportunities or mistakes, as we usually call them. We don't have to, there's a reason for everything. We know that. God makes it so. Okay? Proper reflection is biblical and wise when done in God's way. If we must focus on the past year, it should be to recall those things that we may not have done or done as well as we could have done them. Godly reflection can be a help to us as we plan and resolve to achieve more going forward, all with the Lord's guidance, His strength, His power, and year to come. His Holy Spirit alone can make that possible. There's no shortage of scripture examples where Israel was able to learn from its poor performance. For sake of time this morning, we're not going to go there. Okay? I, I certainly won't go there. However, let's agree that God's Word does encourage us to regularly reflect on our lives. And on the screen it says, Consider your ways, Isaiah 1 5. Another translation says, Give careful thought to your ways. I do want to take us today to the areas of focus, the practices, the habits, whatever we want to call them, where God would have us fix our attention, our efforts, and our prayers for this new year. Can we do this and have success? How do we do it? What are the ingredients that ensure a successful outcome? Is it a recipe? Is it a how-to? Is it what? What is it? What can we endeavor to do this year that will make a true difference? And we'll get into that. And I think you'll see it's really clear. It's not any one thing, but it is one thing. As always, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I'll do my best today to illustrate the way God's Word has shown us to live life, so that this new year. And give him the glory even more so. Okay? He deserves all the glory. Okay, our second slide says, A new year, new mercies, new opportunities. And I want to get into um, some things of reflection. Because we said we were going to go into the past a little bit. And how the past can benefit us. A proper reflection on the past year. Ask yourself some hard questions. 
and be honest in your response. So when you're looking to achieve a proper solution to any problem or equation, it's extremely benefit, beneficial that you ask the right questions, right? It's equally important to accept the solution that you come up with. The purpose of reflection isn't an opportunity to beat yourself up about what you failed to do or the sin you succumbed to over and over and then forever wallow in your disappointment. That's not what it spirals downwards, downwards, downwards. Disappointments and regrets are common to us all, but God does not want us to set up housekeeping there. As quickly as we go there, we need to snap out of it. We each have to remember to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that is in our text today, and we'll get into that. Our focus, the way we overcome, is to nurture, maintain, and remain in close relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is ultimately where we'll start today and where we'll finish today. Let's use the terms found in God's Word. It says to draw near. In James 4 it says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So here we go. At this point, it's up to each of us to answer those, problems, those questions. Have I drawn closer to God? Have I drawn closer to God? Has my relationship with the Lord improved this past year? If not, what has gotten in the way? We're going to look at James chapter 4. It speaks to the many obstacles and distractions that keep us from godly living and serving Him. We're going to get into it right now. And I don't know, I can't read it from here. I would be really an eagle if I could. It's all up there. Hopefully, I'll make it too small, but I'll read it here. James 4, 1 through 7, I'm going to read. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask wrongly to spend all your passions. You adulterous people. And here's the transition I want you to see. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. For you suppose that it is to no purpose that Scripture said, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell with us, in us. But He gives more grace, His mercies. Okay? Gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, 1 through 5. I just want to take us through that really quickly. It speaks to the roots of quarrels and conflicts, being envious, covetous, acting more like we're in friendship with the world than we are with our Lord. When we conduct ourselves in, these, in the ways described, we look more like someone who could care less about having a relationship close relationship for that matter. We earnestly draw closer to God who is true to his word and he will draw closer to us. It's promise. It's there. It's right in print. While the spirit already lives within those who believe in him, it is evident that we can occasionally walk according to the world, the devil and the flesh. It happens. But if on the other hand we are walking, living by his spirit, as it says in Ephesians 5.17, then he bears fruit in us as it says in Galatians 5, 22, 23. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So as we focus
focus less on ourselves and more on Him, we become more submissive, more compliant to the things we've done. So this seems to be the idea behind what it means to draw closer to Him. To draw closer to God, He will draw near to you, James 4a. As we align our priorities, our desires, our thoughts, and our behaviors with what He prescribes, we find that we are walking with Him. Jesus talked about this in John 15 when he told his disciples that they should abide in him. John 15, 4. Our Lord desires a genuine fellowship, a close, loving relationship with him, and it's really not very complicated. It's not my... Uh, let me see what I got. Yeah, my time, oh, that's the next part of it. I had so many slides today. I did it because I think it's easier to keep keep in focus and, and keep attention. So um, there are some ways that we can follow through, and we know a lot of them. We know a lot. I'm going to mention just a few ways we can improve our relationship with the Lord doing these things. Okay? This is by no means exhaustive. If these are vital disciplines that, when learned and practice, make quite the difference. These can help us each find the best way to begin and maintain our closeness to our Creator. We know some of them already. Daily devotions, daily Bible study. We've got so many resources at our disposal, not only in this country alone. We've got, we've got, you go to any Christian bookstore and you can see that the shelves are filled. Uh, you know, we know, we know that some people uh, work for Crossway and they've got books all over the place. Okay, and they're good. So, um, God's word is it's so important. All these things go hand in hand. Most importantly, obviously, is prayer. Talking with our Lord. And listening to what He says, not only in His word, but in those quiet times when He speaks to us, when He speaks back to us. There's no set time or duration. We can do so whenever it is best for us. But be disciplined to do it. So that's some of the ways we can follow through on how to draw closer to Him. So as I said, it's not my intent today to point us to the many available reading plans, devotionals, etc. We, we know there's hundreds of them, it's not more. However, as I mentioned earlier, the focus is on our relationship with God through Jesus, through Jesus our Lord. Now there's another area that goes hand in hand with drawing closer to God, and honors Him as well when we practice it. As a follower of Christ, it should come naturally. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Doing so requires the same discipline and effort, and more importantly for the Christian, yielding to self. When I ask these questions, when I ask these questions, not for you, it's for me. I was very convicted when God gave me the words to put down this paper because it speaks to me just as much as it speaks to you, I hope. If I draw closer to others, as my love for my brothers and sisters in Christ increased, it's you. So instead of just asking ourselves that question and not seeing what God has to say about it, let's see what God has to say about it. What does God's word say about the importance of drawing closer to others and loving my brothers and sisters? First Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. I'm going to read that for us. Follow along with Eric Wood. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers 
to do this more and more. So we can't do this enough. There's no, there's no covenant on that. Okay? We need to be about doing that. Once again, our relationship with others or lack thereof is not brought up for a holy beatdown. Let's get that straight, okay? We're not trying to get everybody going and filter here. Everybody has regrets. Yes. Have we done everything we can do this, this past year? Probably not. But let's look to the new year and what we're going to propose to do. Okay? There's a lot of, lot of man-made religions and doctrines that like to keep people perpetually in guilt. It's a bad place to be, for reasons that I mentioned earlier. That's what Satan wants. So far from that is mentioned so that we can do what was mentioned early on in KDI 1.5. Consider our ways. Okay? By doing so, draw closer to God. So there are, there are ways that we can improve our relationships with our brothers and sisters. It's not always mechanical, it's not always second, it's not always first nature, but here again, these are not ingredients for some recipe for success. Okay? But these few suggestions mentioned are disciplines when practiced in love, improve relationships, and increase unity and fellowship in the whole congregation as you serve others and you serve each other for the Lord. So some of them are going to be, here again, it's not exhaustive. We know what they are. We know what fellowship looks like. We know what unity is supposed to look like. But we need to be deliberate. We need to be intentional in making contact with each other. You know, I, I can probably look at our director and say, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen that person in I wonder how they're doing. Let me give them a call. Or we haven't had some soul for dinner. Let's do that. Or let's meet someplace, have a cup of coffee. Whatever it is. And I think women are much, much better at that than guys are. Okay? If we're not talking about playing fish, the meeting doesn't happen. <laughs> so we, we, need to, we need to get better at that, guys. I'm, I'm speaking myself. So be deliberate, be intentional in making contact with your brothers and sisters in Christ. After all, you're going to see them once a week or more, or, you know, right here. But in eternity, our brothers and sisters, we're going to be with them all the time. So you're going to get used to each other, okay? So get outside of your comfort zone. We all have a comfort zone. Sometimes we're not right during the week. Sometimes we're crabby. We're not feeling good. Whatever it may be. But get over that stuff and do the things that minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we draw closer to God as well. Be diligent to pray routinely for them. We can't go throughout this life without praying for one another. We just can't. It's a blessing to have somebody pray for you. It's a blessing to hear people pray for one another. To see the things that are on their hearts. To have them evidence in what they say and how they and how they pray them to the Lord. Who's really the only one that can make a difference. So pray for them routinely, directly, uh, diligently, routinely. You have directories, you have a phone, you have a cell phone, you have. Be creative. But they're trying to that helps you draw closer. And lastly, for this portion of the message, yes, there's more. Okay, don't get excited and take off. There is another area of focus that goes hand in hand as we continue to draw closer to God. This is a big one. Have I drawn closer to those who are lost in the world? Am I engaging with those who need to hear the good news, which is the gospel? Am I telling of his goodness and his plan for us? So, here again, these are questions only we can answer. These are questions that we can take into this week and the weeks following 
for weeks and weeks to come, and keep asking them, what are we doing to draw closer to God? Let's see what God's Word says about that. Matthew 28, 19-20. Follow along with me if you would. We have a command that we've been given. We know it. It's called the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are commanded to preach the foundational truth of the gospel to all people. When we do the things that God wants us to do, we draw closer to Him. That's the point of this whole message today. We each have individual areas of influence that other people may never have, may never encounter. Okay, we've heard about some of them today. That people working with youth that I don't, I don't encounter necessarily. You've got somebody that's a friend of Kurtz that I may not encounter. So, I mean, we have all these friends. You're out there at the mail route. You encounter people all the time. You talked about that. Scott, where you're at right now about your treatments, you're meeting nurses and doctors and, and other people that are in similar situations. Okay? We all have, even as simple as going to the dumb gym, okay? There's people I see there that I've talked to about the Lord before, and repeatedly so. So we have that command before us. God is so faithful. He enables us as He directs through the power of the Holy Spirit, which indwells each of us as followers of our Lord. We can do this. We're not doing it on our own, okay? It is for this we were made. Let's face it. We're here to give God glory. That's why we were made. So yet, we each need to ask ourselves, how are we doing with this? Okay? Too often we think that we are unable to affect, affect any change at all in this world. We say, man, it's useless. Nothing's going to penetrate the hearts of these people. Okay? Nothing's going to change. The world is so whacked out. Look at the news, but don't. Okay? Undes these people are undeserving and beyond all hope of change. What does that sound like? It sounds a little bit like a guy named Jonah in, in Nineveh, right? He thought they, they weren't worthy to hear about God's salvation. Okay? Well, we all need to stop that way of thinking. Just stop it. Okay? That way of thinking as quickly as it presents itself. Think about how Jesus handled wrong thinking when he heard it. Okay? Think about his interaction with Peter. I love it. Use the words of Jesus when he rebuked Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Do that to yourself. Rebuke yourself. When you start getting into that whirlwind of wrong thinking, just put the hand in your face and say, stop Okay? Just get the behind me Satan, because that's not God talking, that's Satan talking. Okay? So let's focus on this. We've been given another command, it's up there. First Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. This is what we're going to be doing. This is what we need to be doing to draw closer to Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm just going to go back a little bit to, uh, to mention something about a previous church in the Fox Cities where Matt and I uh, served for a number of years. Um, the phrase that underpinned its every effort was captured in the following. You might have heard me mention it before. And it went this way. <clears throat> Preparing people to meet Jesus. Okay? 
preparing people to meet Jesus. This was their focus, and it was achieved through five areas, through worship, outreach, ministry, fellowship, and discipleship. It's really no different than what we're doing right here in the Okay? It's no different. The key takeaway I want us to see is that we always need to be abounding in the work of the Lord. And when we're faithful in this, people will be introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ as the only remedy for their sin, and thus have the opportunity to turn them for salvation. Then, as believers, those five areas that I mentioned, worship, outreach, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry, can be practiced and lived out by his followers as they grow and mature into faithful disciples living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Another biggie. Um, our relationship with the world. As followers of, followers of our Lord, we have the responsibility toward those in the world. We are to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 14-16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How are we a shining light? Okay? We don't want to become part of the world, but we want to gain the opportunity. We want to gain the privilege that it is to share and proclaim with others who haven't heard the good news of the gospel. Okay? They need to see Christ in us so that the good news of the gospel can be shared with all those who need to hear. However, there's a potential obstacle with that as well. Our sin nature. Okay? It likes to make itself known now and again. Just now and again. We humans come preloaded with a natural tendency to look out for ourselves. We look out for numero uno, number one. Okay? Narcissism is huge in the world today. All you have to do is look. It's everywhere. The world's focus is on just self, not God. We don't have to be on social media to realize it. How did Jesus look at self-focus? Jesus always taught in great contrast to what was happening in the world. He always taught in the very opposite. He came at things from a very different viewpoint. He was often misunderstood. So how does this teaching go over today? 2,000 years ago, or 2,000 years ago for that matter. Am I self-focused or God-focused? And, he, and look at what Paul in Philippians 2.4 has to say. This is a command also. Even though it came through Paul, it came through Lord Jesus, God himself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. All these things I'm trying to go through are things that when we do them, draw us closer to God. As we can see, there's not any mechanics to this. It's, there's a discipline that goes with this. And while that sounds like a mechanical thing, it's really not. It's listening to the Holy Spirit. It's doing what the Holy Spirit would have us to do. So let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. When we follow this command, we emulate Jesus. He looked out for the interests of others by emptying himself of his exalted position and took on the very nature of a servant. And we'll celebrate what he did for us later today. We empty ourselves of our selfish, self-focused predisposition and we need to look out for others. That's what we need to do. 
Once again, notice what the focus is to be. It's on the very same objective, which was that of our Lord Jesus. Those who are lost. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So I stress again, it is vital that each of us draw closer to God. Improve our relationship with our Lord. Think about this for a bit, okay? Everybody's been in a relationship pretty much. Maybe not some of you young, young kids, okay? I'm talking about heterosexual relationships. Think about this a bit. Once in close relationship with someone whom you truly love, do not your objects of care, compassion, and concern become very similar? They run parallel. They start to run parallel. They, they become alike. So while we don't have the, the mind of God, his thoughts being higher than ours, when we do live by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, we begin to think like the Lord thinks, so to speak. What is important to him should become important to us. Now in closing, Now in closing, I presented quite a few challenges to myself, most of all, and everyone here. How do we move from going through the motions, faced with just another bunch of things we'll try and do this new year, on our own, to realizing it's all about Him and drawing closer to Him? We know that the evil one doesn't like it when we draw near to God. We know that. The very one He hated from the time of His rebellion. That's been his mission all along, to get us to fall away from God, the one who created us. We know that he will try and prevent us from following through and drawing near to God. So what does this usually look like? I think we know all too well. Troubles and trials. These will come in ways often unanticipated and unimagined. But we are reminded in the scripture, Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can stand against us? So I want to leave you, lastly, with the assurances that we can hold on to from a rather large passage, Psalm 46. So here in Psalm 46, we are given and also reminded of the main reasons why we should desire to draw closer, closer to God. He's the only, he is the one we need to draw closer to. So I've got Psalm 46 up there. I've got verses 1 and 2 in bold in there. I'm going to read those to us, and then we'll get into Psalm 46 briefly. God is a, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help and trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea. So, um, Scott's mentioned it in uh, <clears throat> Sunday school. I've used it many times. It's got some great, great resources. GodQuestions.org sometimes. Um, and I got some of this from there that I'm going to read to you here. It's, it's kind of a good thing to take away. I want you to see how, how the Lord... We, I, I've never seen this before, so I, I just thought I'd be good to share with you. If you look at Psalm 46, it offers a great visual, and I'll show you how. The structure of Psalm 46 itself is really, is really beautiful. You look at verses 2 and 3, along with verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read those. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Verse 3, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, 
Verse 8. Come behold the work of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Verse 9. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Those verses describe disasters and trials. Okay? Now just use your imagination a little bit and look at verses 1, 4 through 7, 10 and 11. Those verses, before I read them, they describe God's power and safety. So now I'll read them. Verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. 4 through 7, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Those, those verses describe God's power and safety in the midst of those difficult ones. So the trouble, if you will, that's spoken of in verses 2 and 3, and these other verses that I mentioned, okay, um, I think it was 8 and 9, <clears throat> those verses are surrounded by verses about the power and safety of the Lord. I think it's an amazing picture. It's, it's like a mom or dad who comforts a fearful and upset child. God surrounds us and protects us in our difficulties. But note that the psalmist doesn't think that God will remove the difficulty from us, but rather God will protect us and glorify himself in the midst of difficulty. So I thought that was a little, a kind of cool illustration. So, I ask this question. Why would we not want to draw closer to God? As I say this, my reaction is the same as when I typed it initially. I almost said, duh, by the way. How foolish is it? to not want to draw closer to him who freely offers his protection, his wisdom, all these things. You can devote an entire message to Psalm 46, and maybe this felt like one, I don't know. But that'll be for another time. I want to draw attention to his character, those character traits that God, that God alone has. He empowers us, he loves us, he protects us and enables us to follow through on the things from his word that I've shared here today. He helps us draw closer to him as we earnestly follow his will for us. So remember, all that we endeavor to do for 2024, to serve him for his glory, begins with drawing closer to him. All of it. We can't do it unless we draw close to him. He's the creator of all things. Let that sink in. We're going to draw close to our creator. He desires a close personal relationship with each of us. So if you don't have that personal relationship I'm referencing, if you're, if you're mystified by the term, okay, or you're not sure, please seek out brother or sister. More specifically, seek out pastor, Scott, and myself. I know there's others that can help show you from the Bible. And from, you know, from his word, what he requires, that we may be saved. So for this 2024, and each year as the Lord allows, May we be focused on what we know as our purpose, our reason for existence. Give Him glory. Let's do it without fear, without fear, without reservation, and without regret. Draw from what was shared today to draw closer to the only one who is worthy, to whom all glory and honor is due. Rest in His protection. 
be remembered in Psalm 46 as we draw closer to him, closer to him. We draw closer and closer to him. Just want to close in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power that is found only in your word, not in the voice of anyone, but in your voice, put down on the paper, unerringly, throughout time. Father, we thank you that we can recall it, we can live by it, and we can benefit from it. And as a result, we draw closer to you, the one who made us, the one who loved us. Father, help us to have that close, loving relationship with you. As this year comes, in, and for all the other years to come, to the Lord tarry. So Father, we need to be abiding 